Welcome to Strong Points, Weak Points, the special. My name is Samuel. And I'm Aaron. And today we have a special guest that we get to interview. Um, would you mind introducing yourself, sir? This is Tom Galata. I Tom. have been working with um, Terry and the guys for about 32 years. And uh, I started Stunt Records with Terry in 1990. And um, so I've been involved in pretty much everything Terry's done since about 1989. Okay. That is nuts. Okay. So since 1989. Mm -hmm. um, so. You said you, let's go ahead and back up here. So mm -hmm. you said you started Stunt Records and you've been with the band, hanging out with them, doing everything with them for 30 years, mm -hmm. since 1989. So um, Terry called you the fifth Beatle. What exactly does that entail? What all <laughs> have you done? Oh, man. <clears throat> well, I've done everything from archiving to... You know, running, you know, I first got involved. I mean, for, well, first of all, I became a fan in 1977 when I got um, Shotgun Angel in the Word Record Club. You know, the uh, thing in the wow. mail. You could, yeah, wow. You, you had to pick 13 <laughs> albums for a penny, you know, and I picked one of the ones I picked when I was, and I was only 13 years old. Uh, and, but I picked Daniel Amos' Shotgun Angel, and it blew my mind. So um, I was I've been a fan since 77 um, when uh, Alarma and Horrendous Disc came out in 81. I, you know, I, I lost my mind and uh, I had, you know, we after Alarma, we were so looking forward to this continuation of these chronicles, you know, so we had fully expected Doppelganger to come out in 1982. And I spent that whole year. I was in Bible college at the time, but we were looking. My friend and I were looking at <laughs> the record store every week to see if it come in. But uh, it was delayed for a year, so it didn't come out till '83. But well, it was worth the wait. Uh, album blew our minds, and just seeing that cover at the record store, we just could not believe what we were seeing. Probably the coolest album cover that I'd ever seen up to that point. So you you say you started as a, f a fan with um, Shotgun Angel, and mm -hmm. so um, how did you feel about the the change up in sound from Shotgun, Horrendous Disc to Alarma to Toppleganger? You know, it was an adventure. Certainly, um, I love the fact that you never knew what to expect from a Daniel Amos album. Uh, the 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 I heard Horrendous Disc before I heard Alarma, even though I can't really remember the exact order those came out in there. They're so close, like a month apart. So I kind of had heard, you know, the kind of this almost mixture of, of uh, power pop and a little progressive, almost, you know, the, the horrendous disc was such a unique sounding album. And then Alarma was so stark and different. And honestly, when I first heard it, I didn't know what to, I didn't really like it that much. I just wasn't, it didn't blow me away and I was confused by it. But that was one of the albums that 
took me a long time to get into, but when I did finally understand it and get wrap my head around it, and I started listening to Elvis Costello and the and the you know uh, Talking Heads and groups like that, I got it. I was like, oh, I see where they're coming from. And then the just the depth of it and the you know the the the, the story the uh, the chronicle story uh, the artwork being so interwoven with the concept and that that became a watershed album for me once i got alarma then i was like okay mind blown i get i get it i get it now i mean they were just to me before alarma they were a wonderful great rock band even a country rock band but um with alarma they had opened up into a new into a new phase that was much deeper and much um i don't know uh, took them to another level i don't think anyone was doing stuff like that and certainly not in christian music or at least people who were calling themselves christians only you two and a couple other european groups could could compare yeah, yeah, no absolutely. one else is doing this at that time. <laughs> no one else is doing this now. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> so I'm curious. You said you officially kind of hopped on the train as the the backup guy in '89. Yeah. So, so I, I had I had uh, interviewed Terry for a radio show in '84 uh, in Houston, Texas. So I met him in 84, but we didn't, it was just like a backstage uh, radio interview on a little tape recorder. And then I was gone and I'd never contacted him again. But in 88 or 80, early 89, I can't really remember the exact date because I, the, I can't find information about the exact concerts that I went to, but I went to a Phil Kagey, Randy Stonehill concert in Florida. And I believe it was 89 early 89 and um i met tim chandler no i think it was 88 i take it back because now i remember that i I talked with him about the swirling eddies and he couldn't talk about it he said because they were still secret you know in 1988 when swirling eddies came out i think it came out in the summer of 88 you know uh frontline records was uh, doing this promotion where it was guess the eddies and there was a contest if you could guess who the swirling eddies were you won some kind of prize which is really stupid because and pretty much everybody knew it was daniel amos and those guys but when i talked to tim uh i told him how much i love the eddies and you know he pretended not to know what i was talking about then we just started talking he was fine with it once he knew that i knew he wasn't going to pretend that he wasn't uh uh, Burger Royale. Anyway, um, so I asked him something about the Swirling Eddies Fun Club, which was on the on the artwork of the uh, Let's Spin CD. And I said, "Who's running that?" Because I had I, I was living in Florida at the time, but I was considering moving to California. I said, "Who's running that?" And he goes, "Oh, Terry's running that by himself. It's a mess. You'll never get any. You'll never get a T-shirt or anything." Because Terry's running it himself, I said, "Really? That's weird. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think? Do you think he'd want help with that?" He goes, "Oh, probably." So I went home that night and I wrote a letter to Terry with the address that was on the CD, and about and I wrote him that I was thinking about moving to California, and I put my phone number in there, and about two weeks later, I got a phone call from Terry Taylor. 
my mind was blown. And wow. um, uh, so he, I talked to him about some ideas that I had and said that I was a graphic artist and I could do a newsletter and all that kind of stuff. And so when I moved to California, I moved to San Diego in 89. And at the time he was living in Corona Del Mar, which is about an hour north of me. And uh, we started working together. And he had uh, Ed. Ed lived in um, Costa Mesa at the time. In his garage, all of the tapes from the first three albums, I think the first two, at least the first two albums, and then uh, Doppelganger, Alarma Doppelganger, and uh, Vox Humana, and Terry's solo album were in Ed's garage, along with a bunch of other tapes of demos and other tapes, uh, live things. Like they recorded um, some big shows in the, in '78 with a, with 24 track, you know, a mobile machine. And those were in there, and I I started thinking about Terry. We need to put these out. I mean, you own this stuff, and this is we could start a little boutique record label where you we we re-release, you know, we release these live albums for the first time anyway, but also Alarm and Doppelganger on CD because that in 1990, of course, they weren't on CD yet. So, yeah, that's how I started with with Stunt Records. And then, yeah, so, I mean, I guess Terry calls me that because it's just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm not really a manager. I no, Nobody manages Daniel Amos or Terry. It's just, you know, that he's kind of above that. But I'm kind of a, I would say a facilitator in that, I have some talents that can get things done and I've got pretty good ideas about, you know, how to get something, how to get from A to Z. And that's what a lot of these artists need is just somebody who can help them do what they do without getting in their way, but actually helping them do it, you know. So what did the where did the name Stunt come from from Stunt Records? How did that come about? You know, I, I think Tim Chandler came up with that. Um, I really don't, I don't remember it. I, Terry already had the idea because, because Tim had talked about this and it was supposed to be a horse. The logo was supposed to be a horse smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and, uh, and that was, that was Tim's <laughs> idea. And we ended up doing a horse. That would have gave with some a, youth with... pastors a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we, we, the logo of Stunt Records ended up being a horse smoking a bubble pipe. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, the cigarette would have been great. <laughs> yeah, I know. The cigarette would have been funny, but we, we went for the bubble pipe. <laughs> That's awesome. So I am curious, um, backing up since we're talking about um, Doppelganger later tonight, and we'll put out both episodes at the same time. Um, being a graphic artist, I think one of the coolest things about the Alarma Chronicles is the cover art and the mm -hmm. inside sleeves, uh, the story going with it. So as a graphic artist, um, what's your opinion and maybe some insight you have into those covers, um, Doppelganger in particular, but the, all four yeah. of them, Vox Humana and yeah. et cetera? Oh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Alarma coming out first was was mind-blowing with the, the guys with no eyes and 
you know, opening it up and there's that whole set piece in there with the TV and the, and the, um, the books on the, on the top of the TV. That was, that was an, a fascinating concept because no one, to me, had no one had really done concept art. It was just, you know, especially Daniel Amos, the, the first two records were basically just, you know, they were good, they were good covers for the genre uh they they it made sense it kind of fit with the music and and they were good covers but there was nothing conceptually mind-blowing and terry wasn't really trying to you know at that point they weren't really trying to do high concept stuff but with alarma i mean they want i think they wanted to do high concept with horrendous disc but that was one of the sticking points with solid rock was that they couldn't they didn't want to put money into doing a high concept cover art for that so they ended up doing the you know the cover with larry norman brings them to some neighborhood in orange county and they take a picture standing on a sidewalk <laughs> you know and then the, and then photoshop and, a green they, circle right, yeah, it. It was, it's iconic it's, though so you know yeah it is it wasn't it wasn't anything what they wanted which was the whole yeah they want to do the 50s um you know invasion from outer space poster with you know the crowd running in the streets and all that kind of stuff that was the original concept. But Alarma, they were able to actually, uh, you know, get a photographer and get a little bit of a budget to do some concept art. And that was that was mind blowing. But um, and I love the packaging, the every everything about these the Alarma Chronicles packaging is wonderful to me because of the details it's all the the little things that you know the cover the back cover each side of the record sleeve each you know page of the booklet you know you're there's no skimping so everything is in there everything is is connected and it all ties together and that's that's important yeah it's it's a shame that didn't get like a some kind of Grammy or something. I mean, I don't know if they were giving out Grammys for packaging back then, but nah. it seems like something that should have won it. <laughs> no, no kidding. And then Do you have any insight into... Oh, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying Doppelganger, the cover of Doppelganger was is still one of the most striking album covers to me in, in all of rock. I mean, it's just... Uh, Agreed. Can you imagine seeing that in a mom-and-pop Christian bookstore, that, that cover sitting on a shelf. I mean, that... Talk about balls. It's just, it's insane. But yet it is, not only is it iconic, but it's, it's, um, it's perfectly uh, representative of what you've gonna, you're going to get when you open that record and listen to that music. To me, it's one of the great album covers. Yeah, it will um, give you nightmares, uh, just like some of the songs. Exactly. Exactly. And when I, like, I, I got this album and, like, I don't know, like, the early 2000s, because I came, it was, like, when I got it. And I remember seeing that album come, I'm like, this is, like, the Truman Show, some, 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 some horror, like, that's a, that's an insane Christian cover, like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm with you, it's, it's, it holds up over time, it's, it's, I'm with you, it's one of the greatest album covers ever. <laughs> So you, you had, do, I interrupted. Do you there. have any insight? Do you, do you have any insight into what uh, what was the inspiration? What they were trying to go for? What was the concept? Like what what they were trying to convey with the album art? Do you know any of that? You know, sure. I mean, the the I think 
Oh, doppelganger is probably the one that holds together the tightest, and that is the uh, the duality of man, the dual and the multiple dualities of of man. So there's um, you know there's the idea that, uh, and it's it's probably said many times in the in the story and in the liner notes, different Bible verses, but as you know, Paul himself saying, you know, I, I want to do, uh, you know, I know what is right, but I can't do it. This duality, this being torn in two of being knowing what in your conscience, what is right and not being able to live it. Okay, so there's your there's the first duality. Then there's the mask that you put on to pretend that you're doing right even though inside you know you're not you know you're a, still a sinner and so you put on this mask of the happy christian or the or the person who's got it together or whatever you want however you would want to you know define that it's a mask but it's not who you really are but when you take that mask off underneath and in the, in, in the doppelganger artwork you know the you've got a mannequin which already represents a representative image of a man. It's not a real man. It's a hollow man, right? A, a mannequin is a hollow man. So, but right. in, the in the album art, that mannequin is even wearing a mask. So there's this, you know, another meta level of, of that we are hollow men who are wearing masks and somewhere deep inside us is the real us the real person and so the, to me this album is all about exploring all those dualities to try to find the real you then there's the then there's the other duality of you know uh like with the the album i mean the song the double you're 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 you are at one time living on earth as a christian uh, but you're also seated in the heavenly places. You're already redeemed. You're already living in the kingdom. But at the same time, you are living on earth and you're not living in the kingdom. You know, your life is still your life. You still struggle. You still sin. You still deal with death and disappointment and all this stuff. So at the there's that duality of how... How do we look at ourselves? You know, how do we get out of a depression or how, things like that, where we we can claim victory, which is real, it's true. Christ died for us. We're redeemed. We're, you know, we're part of um, the kingdom of God. But at the same time, we can't seem to live it. There are times when we live it, and then there's other times that we don't. So it's the duality of it all. The no one ever had the guts to explore that as deeply as Daniel Amos did on this record because it's honest, you know. Oh, I would agree. This album is um, brutally honest in some areas. So I'm glad you actually brought up the song The Devil because it is kind of the uh, poster song of the whole entire album. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious. That's, you would say the central theme of the album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did the you thing. Did <laughs> um, so, are there any other songs that really stick out to you from this album that the lyrics have um, you still think about on a regular basis, or it really touched you at a specific moment in your life, 
or you're just like, I want to point out this song because everyone should hear it. Anything like that from this album in particular? Um, well, I, I would say Here I Am is the one, this is the most tender and heartfelt song on the album, which is the last song, basically, except for the reprise of the Hollow Man thing. But, but you know, it's where it's Here I Am is basically Terry. And it's some, you know, the, the, the music and the, where the, the special audio effect is strange because it seems like it's like one of those old slideshows. You know, it's got the click. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and the projectors. Ever, the projector. Yeah, if you ever had that little carousel of slides and you watched, you know, someone clicked a little hand clicker and, and it would go to the next slide. So that's the sound effect. So there's these little slides and you, and you, you imagine these pictures up on the wall. And so it's pictures where Terry's saying, here I am reading a letter that says you like my record. That's how he ends up. But it's just like, you know, it's a story of, of what it's like for him as an artist and his interactions with his fans and, um, you know, wanting to be as real. I think that's the moment where all the masks come off and all of the, the artifice falls away. And there's here I am is is him really revealing his true self at the end of the record. And yes, I have a lot to say about that song, so I'm going to save it. Mm -hmm. But that I agree. And that 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 is a very moving song. Yes. And it's in the Terry, the the Terry Mount Rushmore of of songs that if we have a Mount Rushmore of Terry songs, here mm -hmm. I am is definitely up there. Um, do you think what do you think that the last thing what's the leg you think the legacy of doppelganger will be? Mm. Well, I, you know, it's funny because you say you got into the band in the 2000s. I don't know. Did you ever see them live? I've never regrettably saw them. I've seen Terry. I've seen the Lost Dogs live and I met mm -hmm. Terry and I've but I've never seen Daniel Amos. The, the thing about Doppelganger, if, if you had the privilege of being a fan during this era, uh, 83, 84, 85, you got to see um, what I felt was even another layer of artistic integration with with all of the concepts, which was the live show where you had they would come out with um they were wearing masks that were lit by these little lights uh and um they had they would hold them up with their hands and they was like uh, they could control the light they could blink it with their with their thumbs had a little thing on it so they would walk out on stage and the whole stage was dark and there's these four or five it, depending on which they were on four or five guys with these matte lit masks and then the hollow man uh song would play you know where it was just um you know uh, jerry reading the uh the poem and they would blink the lights to the to mouth the words it was great and then there was this you know on stage was a tv and there was a big you know there were mannequins on stage. There were girls. Oh, the live that... in Anaham. I, the, I saw the live. Oh yeah, in yeah, yeah. yeah. That I have that. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have that. Like a... I have that DVD. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've seen what they, they? That's that's a 
fairly decent representation. They did they did a little more elaborate stuff, but um, that that's the only thing we've really got uh, in, on video from that era, and that it's pretty decent. But um, but the, some of the songs from Doppelganger are songs that that DA would play forever, you know, uh, Mall All Over the World, uh, New Car, um, Memory Lane, Youth with the Machine. Yeah, they they mm -hmm. they, they play that, but 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 um, you know, even at the cornerstones for years at the at the end there, every time it was DA, and even if it was just Terry and friends. They were playing, you know, uh, they were playing um, I Didn't Build It For Me, um, uh, you know, that, 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 was a, that was a centerpiece song of their live shows, Didn't Build It For Me, because they would do the breakdown. I don't know if you ever saw that, where uh, they would be playing I Didn't Build It For Me, and there's the part where Terry kind of break, the whole band breaks down and Terry says, I cried. Oh, what about this need? Uh, and the, it would be a total break where someone, usually Rob Watson would come out and they would start a, a different song right in the middle of, I didn't build it for me. And then <laughs> oh, Rob, yeah, Rob Watson <laughs> would come out and they would sing, Rob would sing Misty. Like, look at me. I was helpless as a kitten up a tree. You know that song? And so yeah, he'd sing yeah. this whole song. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they would just slam right back into I didn't build it for me. You weren't even thinking, like, <laughs> was it, is this a break? Sometimes they did it where they would do it, and they would, they would play three or four songs and then finish I didn't build it for me. <laughs> it's hilarious. What? That's yeah. insane. Yeah, that was great. That, was great. that is beautiful. But this <laughs> album, yeah, and then Vox Humana also with the dance stop and those those are these were great years for, for seeing DA live. The last tour I think they ever did was eighty seven um, or eighty six when they were do, they did a tour, one last tour for Fearful Symmetry, and it just that was it. They, they could never tour as Daniel Amos again. It was only the one-off concerts here and there and the Swirling Eddies and then Lost Dogs. But, I but never yeah. knew that. Yeah. So this album, this album has songs that there's at least three songs that Terry would play every time at Cornerstone. You know, that was these were must must play live songs. Very nice. Um, that, and that is quite um, to, to see the foundation of a band is really cool. Um, I'm really enjoying going through these song by song. Now, yeah. if I may throw a slightly left field question at you. Uh -huh. um, Doppelganger deals with a lot of very real themes. And I feel like borderlines into what we would almost call um the horror genre not necessarily like blood and guts and gore type but just more of the psychological um existential dread type horror um thriller is almost what they'd call it in cinema mm -hmm. so how do you feel about artists um christian artists in particular dabbling in the the genre that's kind of made to pit gear in you um, and using it to make a lot of points. 
Um, do you think that's something that's really cool for them to do? Or... Well, what what could you be specific? Sure. I mean, and this might just be my personal interpretation. Like when Hollow Man, the lead track, kicks in, I, my first thought was, man, some ten year old kid was listening to this back in '83 and had nightmares. <laughs> um, and you know the cover yeah, art. The first, and... When I first when I first listened to it too, first the cover and the Hollow Man is weird weird intro song i'm like i'm anxious there's a lot of anxiety i'm like what is, this is what is this he's reciting what is you know it's not a song what's happening what's going on so and then wouldn't you could you there's a lot of eerie lyrics and mm. effects throughout of course the artwork too but yeah and and i've got that it's a very eerie and dark and there's a lot of horror in this album to me as well Sam. <laughs> yeah well, there's certainly, yeah, I, I don't know that it's horror. I wouldn't describe it as horror, but I, I see what you're saying. There's a, there's a certain darkness to it. And that's reflected in the artwork and everything, too. It's the dark, um, all the shadows and all that. So, the, the, you know, but you do know that The Hollow Man is based on a poem by T.S. Eliot, right? Yes. Okay, yes, I do is, remember there, reading there that. Is, there is a whole poem that T.S. Eliot wrote that... that that they couldn't actually use on the record at the time, uh, so they had to change certain words. And so there's the the one that's on the original the Doppelganger is a modified version of that poem by T.S. Eliot, which Terry really at the time uh, was a real inspiration to, for the whole concept of the album. Why did they have to modify the, the poem? Um, the estate of T.S. Eliot wouldn't let them use the poem itself. Oh, okay. So they had to kind of, um, they like if you if you compare it, you'll see you could see the different where Terry would replace words so that it was not a completely. Uh, he wasn't just reading the original poem. Uh, it wasn't until the um, the the CD reissue that we actually put the word. They did record a version with the original poem. And they just couldn't use it, but we did put it on the as a bonus track on the uh, deluxe edition. So the one you hear as a bonus on, um, you know, the uh, the deluxe edition is. Let me see, Hollow oh, Man. Uh, yeah, alternate version. Let's see. It. Do you have the do you have the two disc deluxe? Edition. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Well, see the, see the when we, we re-released it, we re when we did the uh, we did an original uh, CD in 1992, I think, or 93, maybe something like that. And we had we added a few bonus tracks, but but the, when we did the deluxe edition. You know, we did. We went all out. We have 17 bonus tracks, and they're everything from you know different mixes, to different live songs, and uh, you know alternate takes of songs, extended versions of songs. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the track listing now, and I see the Hollow Man alternative version. Now I want to listen to that sometime just to yeah, hear the original not, i believe it's on spotify or you know I, it's not it's not it's okay not, maybe apple, it's, it's, it's on apple I music have, apple music okay it's on apple music and it's I also on the Bandcamp. if you go to Bandcamp, 
Okay. Uh, I have I have the vinyl and I have the alarm box set. So no, I do not have the. I was going through my head. What do I have? Like, what versions of that do I have? Yeah. But yeah, I don't it's have. A lot that. Of so fun. I, I need to check that. Yeah. And and, and uh, on Bandcamp, <laughs> there, we added another bonus tr- uh, disc too. So there's actually three. Oh wow. Three discs on Bandcamp and two two discs full of bonus material. That's really interesting to listen to. Oh, it's a Friday to get it so that Terry gets all the money. Yeah. Oh, that's all. Yeah, it's on. It's that's the first. Uh, yeah, it's the first Friday in June. I don't know when that is actually. Yeah. Next, next Friday. Well, you could even just listen to it right now for free. You know, you can listen to anything on Bandcamp. No, you can listen I'm, to the whole I'm not album. Listen to any, I'm not going to listen to anything Terry related for free. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, so Tom, um, do you have anything from, from, from that you're working on musically? Anything from Stunt Records? Anything personally that's coming out or anything that? Uh, no, other than up? Terry's um, Terry's solo record, which is in mastering right now. Thank God. So uh, that was quite a project. I mean, it was it was probably one of the hardest things we've done. I mean, I, in the middle of the horrendous disc reissue. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, so that was probably the hardest one. <laughs> but um, oh no! But this, one, but this one, you know, we we started this Kickstarter in July of 2019, and recorded most of you know most of the album by the end of 2019. But then you know all of the uh, additional stuff we wanted to add all the orchestra and the horn section and the and the a- added musicians we had to wait until 2020 and then covid hit and then so it was insane um trying to get it done it was it's actually done early last year but then trying to get it mixed was was insane because uh, Derry got sick he was in the hospital for almost three weeks so um it's taken us you know up until just probably in the last two weeks to get the final mixes in because it's it's a 21 song album and um it's now at mastering thank god so i'm finishing up the artwork for that and that's that's the only stunt related terry release that we're we're uh, working on right now well that's super exciting yeah, oh, it's amazing. It's 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 a it's a masterpiece for sure, and but um and then we've got um, more reissues to work on. We want to finish up. We want to do um, fearful symmetry, even though we don't have the bonus material that we would have hoped. You know, we probably won't be able to do a whole bonus disc, but we'll do a remaster and a repackaging as much best we can. And then um you know then it's like. You know, vinyl reissues. People have been bugging us for vinyl reissues of Swirling Eddies. Terry's been wanting to do a Swirling Eddies box set for years. We have to get, we have to work with Frontline, or or actually, it's now it's a different company that bought everything that, you know, that was all the Frontline stuff. Uh, so we have to work with this other company to do that, and that's a little, you know, a little more difficult. But we'll do it. And we'll get a Swirling Eddies box set eventually and, you know, put put some Swirling Eddies out on vinyl and put some stuff out on vinyl that's never been on vinyl. You know, start working on some of the motorcycle uh, on vinyl now. Right, motorcycle on vinyl, you know, stuff like that. So that's that's stuff that's on the plate. But we've been so bogged down with getting Terry's solo album done uh, that we haven't been able to really do it. We're going to put the 
Neverhood on vinyl, Neverhood soundtrack on vinyl. Yeah, so it's gonna be fun. Yes. Yeah, that Neverhood has a it's such an intriguing album. I can't wait till we get to it because like it's whispered about in random forums on the internet that have know nothing about Daniel Amos or Terry yeah. Taylor. They yeah. just love that game and that soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah Easter, that's true. In, in Eastern Europe, <laughs> the story behind that is in Eastern Europe and in Russia, um, it was um, one of the first bootlegged video games bootlegged in Russia and Eastern Europe. Uh, so it, it, <laughs> that's it was, hilarious. <laughs> it was, Super spread out all over, you know, like uh, Yugoslavia and all, you know, places like that, Czech Republic and Russia and e all over Eastern Europe, even in even in Scandinavia. So it was bootlegged and uh, everybody had it. And so it, everybody played it. And, and the music was so different than anything else anyone had ever heard. So in, in 1995, Terry won an, an uh, you know best game music award in gaming magazine. It was called Gaming PC Gaming Magazine. Um, yeah, so then people he, just have all the talent, don't they? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know if anybody <laughs> who could write as diverse as. Is there anybody you could think of that could write as many different styles of music? Darn floor, big do bite. It well? And then do Neverhood, yeah. <laughs> and then Neverhood, right. <laughs> it's crazy. <huh>? Insane. <laughs> well, um, Tom, we are ever so thankful for your time. So oh, before welcome. we wrap this out, mm -hmm. is there any other last thoughts, ideas, comments, um, tongue lashings, anything you uh, want to leave us with? A crazy uh, Terry story? Crazy story. <laughs> I, I will say one more uh, aspect of the album that we didn't really touch on is the um, is the duality. We we talked about the duality of ourselves, of men, and as Christian men, but we didn't talk about the duality of the church, which is a big theme of this record. So when you got songs like. Um, Mall all over the world, which basically is, you know, sees the church becoming the ultimate consumer paradise. And then you've got um, yes. a yes. new car, you know, so you've got this this um, prosperity gospel, which at the time, certainly it was even I would say he was way before his time, even because it wasn't until 87 that Jim Baker and, and Jimmy Swagger and those guys got really exposed as the hypocrites they were. But but you have New Car, you've got Do Big Boys Cry, uh, you've got um, Memory Lane, Angels Tuck You In, Little Crosses, Autographs for the Sick. Those are all songs, and I didn't build it for me, of course, all songs which are not only talking about personal things, but it's the how the church itself is 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 a dualistic entity you know that there are these dark sides to it that uh, we have to expose and deal with so you know that there's yeah. interwoven throughout this whole album there's all these concepts of of duality and double you know, double-sidedness yeah 
I still, I'm looking at now, I'm looking at like distance and direction. Still not quite sure what that song means. That's one of those lyrics that just blow my mind every time I read it. I'm like, wow, what? Whoa. I see that as a continuation of the, of the, the double. It's like a coda to the double song. Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I would agree with that, but you're right. Uh, duality is, um, while this isn't the first album, in fact, it's funny sitting here talking with you about the duality and the darkness of this album reminds me so much. And I would be surprised if Terry didn't pull from it. Um, the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. Which, that's what that book is all about. Yeah, sure. Um, and or, so, yeah. I, I think it's a really cool for theme me. to dig into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, it's it's like um Do- Fyodor Dostoevsky has a book called The Double. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't know if you've read it, but it's basically this. It's like this guy, he goes through his life. He's like a he's like a, a, a entry look no nah, like a middle management type of employee in eighteenth century Russia. And he, he has all these uh, misfortunes and, and he he's blaming this guy who he, you know just like a mysterious figure who's setting him up to fail and everything. And I'm going to ruin this book for you guys, but read it anyway. It's really good. <laughs> and at the end of the book, he realizes it was, it was, it was just in his mind. It was him. He was the one sabotaging himself. He was a double. He was his worst enemy. That yeah. duality again, where sometimes our worst enemy. And so yeah. it's really great. And when I listen to this album, I think of that book a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you look, read the liner notes in the, in the, especially in the in the story, you'll see like these little these little quotes from literature all through the story, and one of them is from that book. So I know Terry, because Terry, that's why present. I got the book because I, oh, I was yeah. the nerd reading the linear notes and got me to the book. <laughs> That's what I'd say. One thing that Terry's done for me more than any other uh, songwriter is gotten me into literature. You know, uh, some of my favorite authors are people's are people that the first time I ever heard of them was in a Terry Taylor liner note. You know, William Blake, same, lots of them. William yeah. Blake, <laughs> yeah. Frederick, Frederick Beekner for me. Yes, T. S. Eliot. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, Tom. Well, we really appreciate you. We want to be respectful of your time. So oh, thanks. We really, we really do appreciate it. And all right, it's been a pleasure. All right. Yeah, thanks. and um, I would like to uh, maybe in the future we can talk to you about some of the latter day works that you would have been more directly involved with. Sure, that'd be really interesting. Especially the stunt releases. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, well, thank, thank you, Tom. You have a wonderful right. night. You too. All right. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. That was fun, Sam. Look at us. Yeah. So, um, guys, thank you so much for listening to this uh, interview. Um, Once again, my name is Samuel. And I am Aaron. And this has been a Rose King Media production. Mm -hmm.